Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name's Tim. My name's Marshall. Ooh, what do you got there, Tim? Water. It's fancy water, though. It's because that's what everybody does now, right? Fancy waters. R- what is that? Raspberry lime? Yeah, I don't know. Sparkling water? Yeah. Wow. There it is. No one does soda anymore. They do soda without sugar. Sorry, what's soda? You're talking about pop? Pop. Coke. <laughs> pop. Coke. Coke. Okay, I never get the Coke thing. Like, how do you... What if you actually want Coca-Cola? How do you How do you ask for that specifically in a place where they call it all Coke? You say, I'd like a Coke. And they say, and they what, say what kind of Coke? And you say, Coke. And they're like, oh, okay. Right. That's so weird. <laughs> what if you need to blow your nose and there's not a Kleenex around? That's true. You use a different tissue. That's true. But if you ask for a Kleenex, people are like, here... Yeah, tissue. but if someone has like a, a box of Scotties yeah. and you ask for a Kleenex, they're just going to give you the Scott. Like there's an added level of confusion in calling everything Coke, I think. No, I, I agree. And, <laughs> and I understand that the two aren't parallels. I just thought I'd throw it out there That's as true. if they were. That's true. It um, is weird. Also, so like macaroni and cheese, like we call it craft dinner, but that doesn't exist. Does that exist in the States? We dude? just call it macaroni and cheese. Do they have craft dinner? It's called macaroni and cheese. Okay. It's called Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. No one would presume that that's dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what if you boil some hot dogs and cut it up with scissors and put that in? Then, mm. then it's a meal for a six-year-old. <laughs> now I'm now I'm craving that. All of a sudden, <laughs> it's like you should. I need to go down to the store and get me a box of Kraft dinner and a thing of hot dogs and good to go. This episode of the In and Through podcast is brought to you by Craft <laughs> Dinner. Craft Dinner and Schneider's hot dogs, and definitely ketchup too. And Scotty's, Scotty's, Scotty's and Kleenex, and the Coca Cola bottling company, and just all Coke in general. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Sorry, we've gone down a tangent. All right, what are we talking about today, Tim? Today we are talking about how the Holy Spirit helps us, and mm. the question is. How does the Holy Spirit help us? It's <laughs> a great question, Tim. Great question. Why does this question matter to you? Because I, I think I think once we know who the Holy Spirit is, which is what we talked about last week, mm-hmm. who he is, who he's not, um, then we we are left with the question, to what end? Yeah. What is what does he do? Mm-hmm. And and part of that is because if we are going to call on the Holy Spirit and worship him. We want to do that in an edu- educated way. Yeah. No, I think I think you're you kind of hit the nail on the head there. And I, I think we did a lot of this. There's going to be a lot of overlap from last week. There's going to be some, yeah. But I, I I think the way the answer is spelled out is going to help us into a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I also think that when I made that one joke, you completely pegged the system. I'm interested <laughs> to see how the audio plays out on that. <laughs> might you know people might be currently just like massaging their ears after my my yeah. big laugh. I love having the waveforms as we record these visible because it lets me gauge how funny my jokes were. <laughs> that was the 10. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So, I mean, okay. So as I was thinking through the prep for this particular podcast and talking about wrong answers, I feel like we, we, we spent a good amount of time last week on wrong answers. So I agree. let's do maybe like a lightning review refresher of a couple of the things yep. that we talked about. The Holy Spirit is not like the Force from right. Star Wars. 
It's not this impersonal power. It's not Christian magic. Mm -hmm. It's nothing like that. The Holy Spirit is God, co-equal power and authority, just like the Father and Son. So, you know, that those are kind of the big, the big problems or wrong ways that people consider the Holy Spirit that I think Mm -hmm. just for the sake of today's podcast are, are worthy of just a very quick mention. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing that, you know, I was kind of reflecting on, let me know what you think about this because maybe I'm going off in an odd direction and you got to kind of rein me in a bit. But a lot of times, a lot of times when we think of the work of the Holy Spirit, we think of it as something that is kind of exclusively New Testament. And I would agree that like the Holy Spirit operates in a fresh way of starting at Pentecost, but that doesn't mean that the Spirit wasn't working in the old covenant context. Yeah, I I think we have to acknowledge that because I think that's what Jesus is preparing his disciples for in John chapter 14, Mm. right? He's He's not telling them this thing that has always existed and will continue and is currently operating will still be here Mm -hmm. he says there's a new thing yeah but at the same time it's a it's it's an old thing in a new way maybe is agreed the way yeah yeah and i would say the same about jesus sure yeah totally right him coming in bodily form Mm -hmm. and dwelling amongst the people is a new thing yeah doesn't mean he began at that point yeah and i think people yeah people know that but sometimes the way that we kind of operate or the thing sometimes we think in a certain way that would indicate that we almost act as though Jesus or that the sun didn't really exist until, you know, that starry night in Bethlehem, right? Mm -hmm. Or that the Holy Spirit didn't really exist until Pentecost, where it's like, well, no, they're co-equal, co-eternal, right? And, uh, And there's hints at that in the Old Testament of this kind of triune God that is not fully kind of played out until the new testament but um it's still there so, right yeah right anything else on kind of wrong answers or wrong ways we can directions we can think about this not a lingering essence of glory yep he's more than that mm-hmm. uh a person and uh and and not just a side effect mm-hmm. i guess is one way to say it yeah um he's not- he's not He's not the force that, like you said, not not the force, uh, but he, but he's also not an empowerment of supernatural ability upon us, mm-hmm. right? I, I think a lot of people we're going to talk about what it means for him to give spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. um, but but I think a lot of times the way the Holy Spirit is put forward is once you have the Holy Spirit, you too then become supernatural Mm. if only you learned how to utilize that right just tap into that right energy um yeah no i think that's 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 a good thing to say so let's get to the catechism's answer okay so in the question how does the holy spirit help us the catechism says the holy spirit convicts us of our sin comforts us guides us gives us spiritual gifts and the desire to obey god and he enables us to pray and to understand God's word. All right. Let's take them one at a time. Sure. I got seven was the list that I got, which seems like an appropriate number <laughs> <laughs> when talking about the divine. 
So let's talk first one. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. Yes. Uh, it's of, interesting when, when you preach a sermon, mm. how some people will say, that was really good. Like, that was convicting. Mm-hmm. And then some people will say, why you got to be like that? <laughs> You're always down. You're always negative. Um, I don't attribute the difference between those two to my preaching <laughs> because that's good for my mental health sure. and my self-esteem. Sure. <laughs> but I, I think it's not just me. It's just yeah, it yeah. happens. I, I think in large part, some of that has to do with the Holy Spirit. Sure. And and how willing we are to be convicted of our sin. Yeah. I mean, for a group of believers, um, you know, as believers, we want to we want to see and experience the Holy Spirit working in our lives. I think we need to understand and appreciate the conviction of sin. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, a verse that kind of supports this idea is Jesus speaking of the one who is coming, this helper that's coming. John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, here's an interesting thing, just a curveball, just a, sure. something to talk about. I was uh, kind of reading through articles online just to kind of prep for this. And uh, this, this one article, the author kind of divided the three, mm-hmm. um, sin and righteousness and judgment, as being applied to three different groups of people. He was like... His argument for this is that, okay, well, the three, look at the Bible. The three are separated by commas. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So he's like, and, and based on just there being commas in that verse, he's like, well, obviously it's talking about three separate things. Um, I looked up the original Greek. There's no commas. Well, there's no punctuation. In I know. The original Greek so it's anyway. like building an argument over something that's not really... Lists have commas. <laughs> I know. So anyways, but he, his argument was that, well, it's the devil who convicts us of sin, not the spirit. But I think there is a difference between yes. being convicted and being condemned. I would say I would use the word accused. Or accused, yeah. But I would say there's a difference between being convicted and accused. I would agree. Satan accuses us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Mm-hmm. And there is... There is <laughs> Back in the back in the day, um, there's a band, Christian worship band, huge Jesus culture. Oh yeah. There was there was, I mean, they were competing with Hillsong for the stakes of no one bigger. Mm-hmm. And I saw a Jesus culture video on how to make a set list, choosing your songs for a Sunday worship, and uh, they said as a group, we never choose anything negative. We understand that the Bible talks about things like conviction of sin um, and that those are valuable, but just feel like they don't have a place in worship, hmm. um, which was crushing to me, right? Like this, sure. the hyper positivity that they believed all of Christianity was supposed to be surrounded in is not helpful, no. right? Uh, if, if we are being saved and freed from the shackles of sin. If we really believe sin is a condemnable thing, mm-hmm. then how exciting is it that God himself would say, steer clear of that, Yeah. right? Or you know you're in this, and there's freedom to come out of this. So the idea that conviction 
is only a bad thing mm-hmm. is really misguided, like yeah, dangerously the, misguided. Yeah, because there's this there's a sentiment amongst some in the church that anything that is painful is of the enemy, right? Right. right. And and being convicted of sin um, can be a painful process, right? But there's there's an encouraging um, distinction in Scripture between you know godly grief that produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, right? Mm-hmm. And then worldly grief or worldly sorrow that leads to death, right? There's a distinction there. The The end destination is different, right. right? And so it's painful in the moment to be convicted of sin, but but ultimately it's for it's for your benefit and for God's glory, of course. And, and, and there are a thousand physical scenarios sure. to help us understand this. Have you ever had a splinter pulled out? Yeah. Or what do you call it, a sliver? Yeah. Or um, have you ever like had a really good workout or gone for a long run and pushed yourself, like right, like it's like in order for you to grow. Yeah, I no, I've never. <laughs> or a bone set, right? Like all these, yeah, sure. All these oh things yeah, are, yeah, that's are a good really one. painful things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in the end, um, you know, here's here's a really great example. So when Miriam was little bitty, two years old, she dislocated her elbow, mm. was in tons of pain, couldn't do anything with it. Um, we ended up taking her to the emergency room in Toronto. Hmm. So six hours later, Ugh. we go into the doctor. Doctor just grabs her by her little fingers, shakes her hand really hard with a bit of a snap. Mm-hmm. Um, she screamed. 10 minutes later, she's playing, right. doesn't care, right. right? She had to go. She would have continued in this pain and immobility, but a little spike of pain from mm-hmm. someone who knew how to fix it and she's got freedom. Yeah. Yep, that's no, great. All right, next one on the list. He comforts us. Mm. Um so for, you know, for people who are curious, right? And and a lot of people might already know this listeners. The Greek word Jesus uses uh on a number of occasions when describing the Holy Spirit is paraclete, which is a broad range of meaning. Right? Right. One of which is comforter mean helper, advocate, counselor, guide, which is the next guide. Yeah, sure. But this idea of the Holy Spirit being a comforter, right? And in a general sense, scripture refers to God as a God of comfort, right? And um, when Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit um, after his departure, he's he's promising the Spirit who will be a source of comfort when he goes, right? Jesus, Mm -hmm. who was the first helper, the first paraclete, right? Um, that's going to be difficult for him to be away, for him to be gone. But another one is coming to kind of comfort them in, through that process and into the future. Yeah. And, and I think the way that people are going to ask the question, and especially when the focus is how does he help us? He guides us. How does he guide us? Mm. Really, all of the other answers are the answer to this. Mm. He guides us by... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he he comforts us and guides us. I I guess I see these two as tightly paraclete. Well, let's get get into get into what you want to say about him guiding. So us then. so guide us guiding us and comforting us is really done by one convicting us of our sin, mm-hmm. giving us spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. and causing us to desire to obey God. Mm-hmm enabling us to pray and understand God's word. Mm-hmm. Those are the means by which 
He guides us and comforts us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not uncommon for people who have been believers for decades to confess, I've never really felt the presence of God. Mm. I hear people talk about it, but I've never experienced it myself. Mm. And I think, I think in some ways, we don't even know what we're looking for. And, and we feel like that has to be this sort of, this moment Right, yeah, there's this, gonna be physical sensations. This spectacle of a moment. Yeah. Um, but his his guidance is, as is commonly referred to, and his comfort, both come through the ordinary means of grace. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The 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 gift of prayer, mm-hmm. the gift of the word, the fellowship of a local church, brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in Christ who are around you physically and agree with you spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, these are ways that the Holy Spirit has provided for us. Sure. Um, and it's, it's, that doesn't mean that there won't be times when there is something spectacular. Yeah. But it is not the expectation and it is not the common and Holy Spirit comforts and guides beyond that. Yeah. No, I I did want to say that though, right? Like we're not discounting any kind of supernatural type of guidance from the spirit right i mean we know that jesus exemplified being led by the spirit in his own in his own ministry Mm -hmm. though he was divine right he he there was a there was a a taking on of humanity a stepping down from his position in heaven and a kind of surrendering himself to being led by the spirit and I think that is a good example for us. It, again, like you said, it doesn't mean there's going to be, you know, we're going to be doing miracles everywhere and there's going to be all this, these crazy things happening. Um, but there isn't, there is an element of, you know, being led by the spirit through those ordinary means of grace. But I don't think that necessarily discounts the potential, right? Like for example, the, the apostles, and again, we're not all apostles, but the apostles were led by the spirit to go to certain places, talk to certain people, do certain things. I genuinely believe, genuinely believe there are instances in everyday life where the spirit is guiding us to certain things, mm-hmm. right? You're walking past a homeless person and you're like, all of a sudden you're like, I'm not, I'm not supposed to just walk by the, not that I have to stop for everyone, but I'm not supposed to walk past this person. I'm supposed to talk to this person, I'm supposed to share something with this person or pray for this person. Like, Yeah. Like, do that. Like, that's a way that the Spirit can be leading you. Right. And it's surprising when you submit yourself to those types of leadings, what God can do. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to say that because I, I don't want people to get a sense of, like, we only think that the operation of the Spirit is through these kind of ordinary situations. Uh, I think the, the bulk of it is, but that there are there are opportunities for special things to happen. Um, and I mean, I've, I've experienced that personally in my own life. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. Um, scripture's clear. All believers have, a, have at least a gift or multiple gifts. Mm-hmm. Scripture's clear. Uh, and our gifts are not identical. They differ from one person to another. Scripture's clear about that. And these gifts exist for the mutual benefit of the church or the common good. Right. Right. And the purpose of these gifts, um, or sorry, sorry, and we're commanded to use these gifts, Right. We're supposed to be good stewards of these gifts and not neglect them. Right. So I think that those are 
truths that we need to, before we get into a, a spiritual gifts conversation, be like, everybody's got a gift or multiple gifts. They're different, but they're all, they're all from the same source and they're all for the, the common good of God's people and the glorification of his name. And I would argue they're not a fixed list. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of times what happens is people were like, oh, well, one portion of scripture, it gives this, you know, list. And in this portion of scripture, it gives this list. And so what we've done is we've tallied up the two lists mm-hmm. and now we're going to do a personality survey to figure <laughs> out which ones are you and which ones aren't you. <laughs> right. Um, that's not to discredit those entirely or for anyone to be able to say, oh, well, that did help me kind of understand myself. That That's, f- mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I think the what I would point out is it's not it's not so fixed. Yeah. That just because you score high on one or two doesn't mean that you're like, well, mercy's not a thing for me. Yeah, I guess not. So I can give up on mercy. But I'm a prophet. Um, I'm, I'm going to give up on mercy, and I'm just going to be merciless, and it's not my fault. Right. The Holy Spirit didn't gift me with it. Right. Right? Yeah. Sometimes you look at those, and you're like, hey, you know what? That's an area I can work on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the help. Of the Holy Spirit, yeah, uh, and so so the idea of of the giftings. When I say it's not a fixed list, a lot of times, especially when Paul's making lists, which is where these lists come from, uh, he what he means by that is to say things such as, yeah, I would agree, yeah, right, which is why they're not identical, right, right. Like otherwise, if it, if this was the definitive be all and end all list. It wouldn't be a list that we cobble together from multiple passages. Right. It would be fixed. It would be a fixed thing. It would so, be fixed and repeated. So he's like, these are examples of ways that God has gifted people through his Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think, too, one of the things you mentioned, too, this whole like connection with personality test, because I grew up in a church culture where like, it's like, find out your spirit, spiritual gifts test, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do this, give yourself a rank of one out of 10 for all these questions and then tally it up at the end. I don't necessarily think that the Holy Spirit is going to always equip people with gifts that align perfectly with their natural disposition and personality. Right. That doesn't make sense even because we understand that our natural disposition our and our personalities, you know, we are, yes, we're made in image, the image of God, but it's, we're corrupted, right? Mm-hmm. Our flesh is weak. So why would we assume that we're only going to get spiritual gifts that line up with our natural disposition? Yeah. Right. Like again, and, and not, not always, right? Like, I mean, Again, like, I'm not saying that it's necessarily the reverse. I'm just saying we need to be careful that, like, we don't look at um, spiritual giftedness in the same way we look at personality traits. Yeah, and this this is really complex. <laughs> I know. Because we like to complicate things. Of course we do. Uh, but I, I have had people say hey, you know what? There's this opportunity coming up. I can't think of anything that would be more exciting. I'm going to do it. And and people around them say, well, that you want to do it is the Holy Spirit showing you this is this right. is what he's got for you because right. it's exactly the kind of thing you would want to do. Right. Uh, and, and then, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong, mm. but on the flip side, I can see people going, or I've, I've heard people say, this thing is everything that I would ever want to do. And I can't do it because I know it's just my flesh and my personality that wants to do it. Right. And I'm supposed to die to myself. So where's the job that I'm not skilled for and that I have no passion toward? <laughs> because that's what it means to lay down myself right. to serve God. Right. And, and both of them 
are genuinely trying to follow a path for God. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's just not how it works. Yeah. And, and the way we understand where we're being equipped and trained and built up for the use of the kingdom, it, it doesn't come from a survey. It comes from an intimate relationship with God mm-hmm. and an open heart before him. Yeah. Right? Um, and so that thing that you've always wanted to do that you can't believe has fallen into your lap, maybe it is. Yeah. Right? Uh, maybe maybe this is something that God's been preparing you for and and go do it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the spiritual side of it. Enjoy the side of it that speaks to, to you as a person mm-hmm. that just has fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Uh, maybe God has something hard for you. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is going to require you. Um, we're not told everyone's stories. That's true. We're told our own. Hmm. And we follow the path that God has set before us. Yeah, well, that's good. As Aslan says multiple <laughs> times <laughs> through the Chronicles. Number five, at least going by the list that I've made, uh, Spirit gives us the desire to obey God. And I, I think the best uh, picture of this given in Scripture Ezekiel 36, where this promise of the new covenant is being proclaimed through the prophet Ezekiel at a very low point in Israel's history, um, at a time where the consequences of them, of the people not obeying God persistently and for a significant amount of time has put them in a terrible situation. In Within this promise, um, God says through Ezekiel, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to put my spirit in you, and, and, and in doing that will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules, right? So the, the willingness and power to walk in obedience flows from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Yeah, and I think that this is the flip of number one. Hmm. He convicts us of our sin mm-hmm. and causes us to desire righteousness yeah the obedience of god Mm -hmm. um so he helps us to repent that is to turn away Mm -hmm. and to pursue righteousness yeah um and and i think the two happen at the same time they are they are in a in a strange way the same thing two sides of the same coin yeah right no and i think i think you're right right and and we we have to be and I think it's it's a, it's healthy to 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 be reminded of both those things because I mm-hmm. think if we only think of the spirit as one who is just convicting us of sin and it's just like not that not that not that and that's the, all that there is or if the spirit is simply just you know coaxing us towards good things I mean we we need both halves right and so we're not just convicted of our sin left broken and then kind of blindly scrambling for what where we're supposed to turn and, you know, and we're not just told, okay, here are some good things. Come over here. We're actually empowered to, to turn away from, from our sin and, and, and turn towards what God would have for us. So they work in conjunction. So, yeah, I, Christ likeness is the goal in the Christian life. Yeah. And I, I always like to remind people, Naturally, we see Christ likeness and we think, well, that means that we are going to, um, that means we're going to need to remove ourselves from sin, remove sin from our lives. 
and Christ-likeness feels like piety. Hmm. And I think Christian legalism rests pretty heavy there. Mm-hmm. But that's only fifty percent of the equation. Yeah, it's yeah. not just it's not just not doing what Christ didn't do. It is also doing what Christ did. Mm. And so, so the Holy Spirit leads us into Christ's likeness would be a one statement that would sum up the two, convicting us of our sin and causing us to desire to obey God. Yeah. Yep. No, that's great. That's a great way of putting it. Number six, the Holy Spirit enables us to pray. Right. Um, there's a great passage. I actually, I love this. I love this verse. And well, Romans eight in general is just great. I mean, the entirety of the word of God is great, but Romans eight is, is awesome. Um, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses for, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. In the in those moments where we d- we don't even we don't even know what to pray for, mm-hmm. like we don't even know how to communicate what it is that we're going through or what it is that we need or what it is that, you know. There is an intercession that happens that the Spirit does on our behalf, to communicate those things in a way that is, maybe even beyond what we're capable of, in ourselves. This is a thing that I've done a number of times in the past in darkest moments but it doesn't have to be specifically in dark moments i just want to put that out there Mm -hmm. but if if you never have you should at some point just go before god and say i can't even Mm. and 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 not then get up from that prayer or or strive fruitlessly to put these things into words. But to just recognize and even say to the Holy Spirit, I can't do mm. it for me. Mm-hmm. And to to find find peace in that. Um and in, in, in doing that, acknowledge a task that has been given to him that he is already doing and to participate in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. We're to, we're to pray in the spirit in Ephesians six it says pray in the spirit on all occasions. And a lot of times, I mean, certain groups have differentiated praying in the spirit is praying in tongues. That's it. Mm-hmm. And specifically in, in the interpretation that tongues is uh, not actual languages as I think you and I would, would generally assume that it, that's what it's talking about. Um, but I don't think that's the case, right? With all kinds of prayers and requests um, is kind of the, the, the back end of that verse. So we are to pray in the spirit. And I think there's a beautiful, there's a beautiful Trinitarian formula to how we ought to pray, right? We pray as, as Christ directed us to the father, to our father. We pray through the son, through you know his mediation, what he's done for us on our behalf, and we do it in the Holy Spirit. Right. In the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. Yeah. Those are your three prepositions of prayer. Boom. Oh, that's great. You like that? The three prepositions of prayer. Yeah. Any kind of alliteration is fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And finally, number seven, 
Spirit enables us to understand God's word. Mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Right? Without the Spirit, you can't understand the things of the Spirit. Right. And the Scripture, as we outlined last week, is a thing of the Spirit. Right? right. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. Right. Scripture is a tangible work of the Holy Spirit in our hands, Mm -hmm. right? And so the only way we could come to truly understand and appreciate and and believe it is if the Spirit is is equipping us and enabling us to do that, right? There are things you can figure out from Scripture. There are plenty of, of professors in universities around the world who teach about the Bible, but in a way that lacks real meaning and power because they do not possess the Holy Spirit. They can know facts about the Bible. They might know facts about the scriptures that you and I don't know. Sure. They might be more familiar with the original languages than you and I are, but they are incapable of communicating it in its, in its desired form because they lack the tool of interpretation. Right. Yeah. And and so I would say, what does that look like? Um, when we think of the Bible as the living Word of God, mm-hmm. I would say a person without the Holy Spirit only sees it as a book, like yeah. any other book. Mm-hmm. But when we read and we feel conviction, as is a work of the Holy Spirit, when we feel a call to righteousness, mm-hmm. which is a work of the Holy Spirit, when we see it as comfort and guidance, then that is the Holy Spirit doing his word, mm. his work to help us understand his word. Yeah. And I want to encourage people to like it. If you are not, if this idea seems foreign to you, right? The, the spirit, the spirit working through his word as you read it in, in a, in a, I mean, I think it's fair to call it a miraculous way. If that is something that is entirely foreign to you, say there's, you're probably not, well, you're probably, probably not reading your Bible, (laughs) right? Or, or you need to maybe change up the way that you are approaching it. Mm -hmm. If you are, because there is a way to come to God's word, you know, in a very, let's check the box kind of way. And I think it's helpful for us to, to pray as we get into God's word that, that his spirit would be opening up our eyes to what it has to say. Yeah, and if this is a roadblock that has existed for an extended period of time, I would say take that to your pastor. Yeah, for sure. Especially if that pastor is me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm more than happy to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. That is what shepherding is about, is helping people mm-hmm. in these kinds of things. I, I think for my wrap-up, what I would say, First Thessalonians 5 talks about... The, uh, the, he's, he's addressing the church, closing out the letter. And the end of 5, starting in verse 12, what he's talking about is participation in the work of God. Mm. Participation with brothers and sisters. And in the middle of that, he says, don't quench the Spirit. Right? Um, so inside of his context... It is a discussion about pursuing the person and the plan of God 
in community. And that includes the Spirit. Hmm. Because we participate with the Spirit in our own sanctification, in our own guidance. And we can become numb to that leading. We can get so used to saying no that it becomes easy. And sometimes the best way to break through that barrier is to just start saying yes, Mm. even if it feels forced and fabricated. Mm Mm-hmm until we're more accustomed to saying yes than not, yeah. right? There's, there's something inside the human brain that can hear an alarm going on and on until they just stop hearing it, and that alarm is no longer alarming, right? Yeah. Um, but the same thing can happen in our heart, mm-hmm. right? Those tugs and convictions, we can become so numb to them and so accustomed to saying no that we just don't feel the tug anymore. Yeah. So... I think the takeaway in this is to identify what the work of the Spirit is and to participate in it, quenching not the Spirit. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by the Alex Walker. (laughs) Have a good day, everyone. See you.